TED Audio Collective. I think that the ethos of Silicon Valley has really brainwashed a lot of us. And I was certainly a part of that for a long time. I think for me, it was very much a personal journey of building something in my spare time and then releasing it and it kind of taking off. You were on this earth for a very short amount of time. And I guess the question is, do you want to be spending that time doing something and consistently trying to justify your decision? Man, I love a good montage. You just heard the former president of Pinterest, a coder who built an app for his wife that's now used by millions of people, and an entrepreneur who had an epiphany about how to be a more ethical business person. I'm Anoush Samarodi, and this is ZigZag, the podcast about the changing culture of business and work. And on this episode, stories and lessons learned about being open to change and using that change to build a better company, a better career, maybe even a better you. When my longtime producer Jen Poyant and I started Stable Genius Productions just over a year ago, we also started this podcast to document our own journey in building a business and build a community with you, dear listeners, a community of people who want to find a different way to build their lives and careers, not with a winner-take-all mindset, but with a, yes, I can do good work and pay my bills and take care of my kids or parents or dog and myself, while also improving my community and society. Too much to ask? We don't think so. Look, we're new at running a business, but we do have a lot of experience doing journalism. And so this week, we've got stories from people that we've been tracking over the last five years and how what's happened to them and their businesses can teach us a ton about zigzagging with our work and our careers. Quick break, and I'll be right back with Jen. Canva presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? <clears throat> the real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com. Designed for work. I'm Anoush. This is ZigZag. We're back, and I am here with my business partner, Jen Poyant. Jen? Yes. <laughs> Hi. Hi. We have had our own ZigZag with the other show that we make here at Stable Genius Productions. It's called Note to Self. For those of you who aren't familiar, do you want to fill people in on our ZigZag with that first show that we ever built together? Sure. So we made that show together for four years over at WNYC, the public radio station, where we kind of formed our creative partnership together. So those clips that you hear at the top of the show are from interviews that we've done since relaunching the show together as Stable Genius Productions in coordination with WNYC. Right. So those clips are actually taken from interviews that we did 
for Note to Self episodes that are about the tech, right? More about the tech. But Mm -hmm. as you and I have been doing episodes for Note to Self, we've been thinking like, ah, that's interesting. That's an interesting business lesson or that's an interesting entrepreneurial lesson. Mm -hmm. That's an interesting sort of zigzag perspective on it. And so – Now that we have two shows, we have the opportunity to talk about the tech stuff on Note to Self and talk about the business, entrepreneurial work stuff here on ZigZag. It's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. I think because the tech world right now is so at the center of leading changes and innovations in work and business. It's so true. I think all of us are kind of looking to Silicon Valley for like how we set up workplaces or they're really leading the way when it comes to in good and bad ways Mm -hmm. and how we do work. But in any case, we picked a few examples of really the most interesting, weird, telling, I think, Mm -hmm. stories that we covered on Note to Self. But this is the zigzag angle on them. I'm not going to lie. I also hope that people enjoy hearing these little clips and they go check out Note to Self, which is on the Luminary platform, as we've been talking about. All right. So the first story is about an app called Moment. Should I just launch into it? Yeah. All right. So back in 2014, five years ago, I wanted to do this project about helping people understand their digital habits. And one of the things I wanted to do was have people be able to measure how much time they were spending on their phones, like Were they spending hours on their phones? Did they even know? Because my theory was it was becoming like a weird habit that they weren't even aware of. In any case, I went in the Apple App Store and like this is like five years ago, there were not that many apps of people who were measuring how much time they were spending on their phones. Now it's like built into your operating system for Apple and for Android phones. Anyway, I found this one app and I called the developer. The app was called Moments. The developer's name was Kevin Holish. He lived in Pittsburgh. Here's what happened. He built this app because he'd just gotten married to Mandy, and they were having trouble getting through dinner without checking their phones. So he built her an app so they could see how much time they were actually spending on their phones. I like to say that instead of writing her a love letter, he wrote her a love app. It's real romantic. It's kind of romantic. So he put it in the app store. I found it. We ended up using his app to run this project called Bored and Brilliant that I ended up writing a book on. Tens of thousands of people used it in 2014. And then we had him back on the show just now. And now millions of people use this app because society has woken up to this idea that we're spending too much time on our screens. But here's the other point. I think Kevin's journey or story as an entrepreneur is really interesting because he just brought on a CEO. Mm-hmm. And it's like big time. Big time CEO. It's the former president of Pinterest, Tim Kendall. And I just want to play a clip from Kevin of how he just describes what has happened with his business. I think for me, it was very much a personal journey of building something in my spare time and then releasing it and it kind of taking off beyond my control. Tim kind of came into my life and Moment's life at the perfect time. You know, I was getting stressed out of just like, you know, maintaining course Mm. with Moment, you know, keeping servers up as the user base grew and stuff. So it was nice to have a person who's built companies on my side and helping. That sounds so nice. What, somebody just shows up and they're like, hey, I've built like multi-billion dollar companies. Would you like help with yours? Yes. That's basically what happened, right? Didn't Pretty. he just email him over the holidays and was like, I like what you're doing. Let's chat. Yeah. No, seriously, that's what happened. 
can I play a clip from Tim? Sure. Well, you know, I'd say that, look, there are a lot of people who, a lot of leaders who have come out and said, look, like this kind of hyper-responsive, hyper-frenetic approach that's very common in Silicon Valley is sort of a waste of energy. And one of the folks that has done that is Dustin Moskovitz, who is the, one of the founders of Facebook, who now runs a company called Asana, who basically is very open about the fact that the frenetic and always-on culture that he imposed on Facebook's engineering team early days was a waste hmm. and was unnecessary and probably didn't meaningfully contribute to the value that they created. And in fact, in some cases, probably detracted from it. I think that the ethos of Silicon Valley is really brainwashed a lot of us. And I was certainly a part of that for a long time. What he said there, Tim Kendall, the former president of Pinterest, said that he thinks that he was brainwashed by Silicon Valley. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's hugely different than what was going on five years ago when we were all still saying, like, tech's amazing, tech's going to fix us all. And now we have people within these companies saying, like, er, wait, no. But let's be clear, Tim also sees a really big business opportunity in building a company that is very critical of the tech that he was partly responsible for building. Mm -hmm. What does it say to you, Jen? Well, I also think in that particular clip, he's really also speaking to the wasted energy in the work culture Mm. in Silicon Valley. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that that energy spent in silly ways, really, the way the engineering culture and the work culture in general is, is really changing. I think the fact that they can build a company that is trying to forge a new path for tech companies, but doing it in a way that's more sustainable is really impressive. Well, and one of the ways that they are working at Moment, which I don't think we talked about much in the Note to Self episode, was that Kevin is on the road with Mandy. Like, they're traveling. Yeah, they're like in an RV, right? Yeah, they're in an RV. They traveled around. Super cool. Yeah, but part of it is because Kevin said, look, I am good at making the tech, Mm -hmm. not running the company. And you can be anywhere if you're the person making the tech. You don't have to be at headquarters. I am curious to hear what you think about they got to this point where Kevin, like, almost pulled back from the leadership and was like, I'm good at this part, so I'll do that. And it also works with the life I want to live right now. He sounded relieved previously, and Tim sounds like he's, like, raring to go with this running moment. But I wonder if there was a little part of him that was sad. I don't know. The thing that I didn't get out of that episode was, like, what's the structure of their partnership and what's the structure of the business in that regard? What do you mean by he pulled back from the leadership? I kind of got the sense that they were still partners. I think they are, but Kevin does product and Tim runs the business. Uh Uh-huh. I think the point that I'm trying to make is that each entrepreneur, and I think you and I are at this point, have to decide, do I stick with my core skill or talent, which is making stuff, in Kevin's case, maybe in our case, or yeah. and get a person to come in to run the business side because that's not what I naturally gravitate oh, towards. I, may I interrupt you? Please. I think we would love that if we could find the right person that we trusted. Yeah. We would love that, I think. 
Yeah, it kind of seems like almost too good to be true. Yeah, it's awesome. All right. Lesson so what's learned. the lesson learned? I don't know. I think it's... White guys attract good <laughs> white guys? I don't know, honestly. No, no, no. It's just that Kevin worked really hard to build up a thing that attracted really good talent. And then he took that talent on and... And he did it for the right reason. Like, he really believed in his product. And then he just had to wait for the right moment, uh, pun intended, <laughs> till, the oh, sorry, till society caught up with him. Yeah. And then, bada bing, bada and boom. Yeah, and they're very clear in that episode about their values, their values when it comes to work, their values of what they want to build, the values that they want to espouse in society, you know, course you know, correction a little bit there when it comes to the tech side of things. That's important. It is important. You know what, though, I'm laughing at right now is that you said to me after we finished that episode, you said, it's a very earnest episode. Yeah, super earnest. Which I generally don't like. Too much earnestness makes me want to vomit in my own mouth. But on the other hand, they're legit. They're sweetie pie. They're serious. They're, they're thoughtful. They're doing. And yeah. Pinterest had an IPO after he left. I mean, I'm sure he's worth a we, lot of money. Yeah, we won't speculate on Tim Kendall's worth right now. Moving on. The other story I want to tell. Can I just, we don't have to keep this in, but I'd just like to say that we actually really are in this moment when it comes to the potential growth of our business and trying to figure out mm. where to go with it, which partners to take on. And we're having a lot of meetings. They're really intense. Who are we having meetings with? Our accountants. Our accountants are amazing people. They're like these talent whisperer, wonderful human beings that make us feel Who listen safe. to the show. <laughs> they do. They're great. They're learning a lot about the podcast business. It's true. And then the other meeting, we had another meeting this week that was so intense with some prominent kind of biz dev people, I guess is the best way to put it, consultants. And they're great in a lot of ways, but there were moments of tension for you and I, especially towards the end, because at one point they said, this business is scalable. You can do so much with this. You have the responsibility as women to take it to the farthest level you can. We were into it, you know? And then they said, but just stop worrying about the quality of your product. And then our stomachs dropped. And we both walked out so defeated, it felt like. And the thing about the Tim Kendall and Kevin Holish interview is that they didn't do that. They chose to find another way to grow. You know, they found partners that, like, espouse their values. And we value the quality of our shows. I think we're coming to a point where we're realizing that we have to trust our gut and not go in the direction that some people say we should just to grow for growth's sake and for money's sake. Okay, you just set me up perfectly without even knowing it for this clip that I stumbled upon. Our friend Eric Kleinenberg, the sociologist, texted me Hmm. and was like, I'm at an event and Valerie Jarrett, you know, the former Obama advisor, Mm -hmm. she's on stage and she just talked about zigzagging and work. And I was like, what, really? So I went and I found the clip that he was talking about. And Valerie Jarrett was on stage at the Aspen Ideas Festival. And she was on stage. And Jen, I think that what she said really embodies that. What I realized when I started listening to my voice and I started realizing how much power I could have if I spoke up and I started making decisions where I listened to the gut inside of me as opposed to what everybody else was defining as my life, that's when the adventure began. Not craving the comfort of the straight line that I had charted out for myself, but the exhilaration that comes from taking advantage of opportunities that knock at inopportune moments. 
and the exhilaration that comes from being scared to death about trying something new and then figuring out, oh, I can do that and conquering it and then swerving again. So zigzag is kind of my message to the young folks. What do you think of that? I love it. <laughs> Are you kidding? Should we try on Valerie Jarrett on the show? Absolutely. Yeah. This quote came just when I felt like I needed it because I was like, well, they kept <laughs> the other thing these advisors kept saying is like, do it like a man would do it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, but I don't I don't want to do I that. I don't want to do that. Yeah. And they, I mean, they had a lot of good things to they say, did. too, in particular with the potential growth that they were talking about of our business. You know, they were talking about us being able to, down the road, help fund and lead other women to. Yeah. And that was that was very exciting to me when yeah. they were like, the reason why we want women to make money is because they're going to spend their money differently. And that's how we change society, which I thought was a really interesting premise. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it means that we get to that by doing it the same way it's always been done. I mean, that's the premise of all of the work that we've been doing on the show, all of the exploration of new ways of doing business, new ways of working. So it feels very contrary mm. to then potentially go down a path that's very, very, very traditional to get to that that growth. It's scary. I don't know. But just to loop back to Valerie Jarrett, she's saying, yeah, it's scary. Deal with it. Because right. that's the fun part, <laughs> almost, right? Right. And I mean— To give listeners just a sense of what we're thinking about, you know, we've always talked about whether or not we should go for venture capital funding so that we can scale and do all sorts of weird, fun, interesting, creative projects that we think really will have impact, but we need to have bigger reach. And so one way to do that is to have a funder come in and help us make a bigger team so we can do we can actually do that work. And then there's questions of like, well, maybe it's actually more of a partnership with a really strong, like-minded editorial media outlet that already has a lot of power and can help us find the right audience, more a bigger audience. Right. And then I think it might be closer to what happened to Kevin, right? We find someone that can help us run the business and get some funding from some people that really appreciate what we're doing. And then we set ourselves on the path to make the stuff that we like to make and have somebody else help us run the business side of it. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I've got a story from a man named Drew D'Agostino. This is a guy who's been using big data to predict people's personalities. Yes, I found it very creepy as well. But he had this personal epiphany (laughs) that I just think is absolutely fascinating. So we're going to tell that story when we get back. We're back. I'm Manoush Samarodi, co-founder of Stable Genius Productions, and I am here with Jen Poyant, the other founder of Stable Genius Productions. And we're on our show, Zigzag. What fun. <laughs> it is. It's fun. What fun. Oh, dear. Ooh, that's good. Do that again. <laughs> oh, dear. So, Jen, I want to tell the story of another person whom I first got to know because of Note to Self, our other podcast. So five years ago... I learned about a service called Crystal. You'd say like, huh, I have a meeting with this woman, Janet. And I've never met Janet, but I really want to make a good impression on her in our first meeting. And so what Crystal would do is it would draw up 
a personality profile based on anything she'd ever written online. It would literally use big data to see, like, how does she construct her sentences? What kind of tone does she have in her correspondence to be like, okay, when you go into this meeting with Janet, you should be very formal. Or it would be like, Janet's super informal. Make sure you're really casual and treat her like you know her. It would just advise you on how you should act. Anyway, there was something very kind of spooky about the technology. And at the time, it was very new, this idea. It's it's called psychometrics, Mm -hmm. using big data to figure out the psychology of someone, right? And I had this conversation with the CEO, Drew D'Agostino, and he's like, well, look, that's our business. And I was like, well, look, this is creepy to me that you're scraping all this information about people and, like, predicting Mm -hmm. how we should respond to them. Agree to disagree, right? Move on. Mm -hmm. So then... The Cambridge Analytica scandal happens, right? Mm -hmm. And this is the political ops company that was hired by the Brexit people in the UK, by the Trump administration to micro-target people on Facebook with political ads. We don't use psychometrics, the similar sort of thing, like, oh, this person acts this way online, so we will play on their fears by sending them a political ad that's scary Mm -hmm. or whatever. We don't know if Cambridge Analytica actually got people to vote a certain way, Mm -hmm. but it did wake us all up to how much data is being collected on all of us, Mm -hmm. how much of it is being sold to advertisers, to political ops people, and that the future is them using all this data to understand us psychologically and potentially nudge us definitely to buy stuff. Maybe to think a certain way. Or to influence the course of democracy. Or vote a certain way. Exactly. (laughs) Okay, so I went back to Drew and was like, oh, yeah, your business, Crystal, what's the deal? Now we know that this is—I was right. This was creepy. Mm -hmm. Well, it turns out that Drew had a very personal reckoning. He essentially— flipped the model of his business so that they are not tracking people or collecting their data or anything like that. What he basically said was that I believe that data privacy needs to be a fundamental pillar of our business, and I think it's the right thing to do for our customers. And he had to end up, like, shutting down the business to reconfigure the whole way that the algorithm worked. Mm -hmm. He had to, like, tell his investors, there's not going to be any money for a while. We're going to change it up. But They had to do layoffs, too, right? They had to do some layoffs. They had to contract the business. All because he decided this is the right thing to do. So can I play you a clip of Drew? Sure. You were on this earth for a very short amount of time. Yeah. And I guess the question is, do you want to be spending that time doing something and consistently trying to justify your decision? (laughs) Do this thing and just defend it, even though you kind of know in your heart that this is not the right direction, whether it's wrong or if it's just a battle that's not worth fighting, versus building something where you have a much more two-way relationship with the people using your product, where they know what you're doing, you know what they're doing, it's very clear what the value is you're providing. They are paying for a tool that does a few really specific things very well, and they get this value for their job. It's just like a straightforward transaction that I feel really good about. Your users are people, and you want a healthy, I want healthy relationships. And just like that, I want the healthy relationships with people in my life of transparency and mutual value exchange. I see our users, even though I don't know them personally, they're kind of all relationships with me. 
<laughs> I mean, they all get the emails that say, Drew from Crystal, here's this new feature you should try. What did you think of that? I mean, I couldn't agree more. I, th- I, I think, again, he shifted his entire business model to reflect his values. I also think that the lesson learned here is that he saw that he can do this cool trick with data, that he can figure out people's personalities based on information that's strewn across the web. And he was like, yeah, okay, but are my customers going to trust me in the long term? Almost like what we've been saying on this show, which is small but mighty. Better to have a group of customers who really believe in what his technology and business is providing Mm -hmm. and keep them on the long term as opposed to like being this flashy, highly um, funded Mm -hmm. tech startup that's using big data and psychometrics and other sexy words in the tech industry. Mm -hmm. Like he kind of pulled back from that. Maybe that's just a sign of maturity and it happens to business people all the time or they fail one or the other. But it seemed to me that like he looked at where society was going and he looked inside himself, not to be cheesy, and he decided I'm going to, or as he put it in the episode, I need to drink the medicine and yeah. fix this. Right. It's cool. It's very, um, I think it's kind of rare at this point. There's not that many people that are willing to do that. I don't think it is. So here's my theory, okay? My yep. theory is that Drew is the tip of the iceberg and that this is going to be happening over the next year or two across the tech industry, that there's going to be a reflect and reset amongst the tech people. And some of those investors are not going to like it. Mm-hmm. And some of these companies are going to fail, but there's a change in what consumers are willing to put up with. And even what they know, we're not as naive as we were anymore. We woke up because of the Cambridge Analytica situation. This is my theory anyway. I like the theory, but I guess the question is... (laughs) Jen's like, nice theory. No, it's good. I mean, it's kind of the same question that we had with the Mark Sermon interview. Oh, on the last episode. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So he's the president of Mozilla and reflects this kind of more grassroots approach, a little bit more punk rock, collective, collective in the sense of like, okay, if you get a collection of like hundreds of small but mighty companies, is that enough to go against the Facebooks when their business models don't have anything to do with these ideas? As a matter of fact, they are pretty much the opposite of them. Mm. All right. I'm mindful of the time. I want to play one last thing for you, if I may. Please. Hi, Manoush and Jen. My name is Adriana, and this is my zigzag story. I worked several years in online publishing and worked my way up to an editor, and then I was laid off, and I decided that I would get certified to be a health coach. So major pivot, and then while I was working on that, I was in perimenopause, the very beginning, so I was like, I'm going to specialize in that, and I got another certification. So... I launch my business and it just doesn't feel right because I'm not all the way through perimenopause myself and it's just like, it's not quite right. So I decide, you know what, I need to get a job. (laughs) So I know, maybe I'll go into communications. Then someone introduces design thinking to me and I get all excited about that and I'm like, yeah, how do I get in on, on an innovation team? And I find out that that's another long path with education involved. And it's at this point that I think, am I addicted to the zigzag? Is this just what I'm going to do for the rest of my life? How do I build any kind of longevity if I'm constantly changing direction? 
Or is there a way, if this is my thing, if this is my tendency, is there a way that I could figure out how to harness it and use it? So I'm finally getting responses. Finally, things are starting to come together. I'm also seeing an opportunity for me to maybe implement a little bit of the design thinking techniques in this capacity. And so, yeah, that's where I am. Uh, did I mention I'm also doing yoga teacher training? So that was a voice memo from a listener, Adriana, who thinks she might be zigzagging too much in her own life. Is she addicted to the zigzag? Can you be addicted to the zigzag? Maybe. I sure. think I'm a little addicted to the zigzag. I think you are, yeah, too. Yeah, it's an adrenaline thing. It's a, you think? Sure. Yeah, change is interesting. It's fascinating. Well, it also it makes you not have to sit with yourself and be with yourself if you're constantly moving on to the next thing. I think I can be calm and with myself. I think I'm so tired that zigzagging or the adrenaline thing keeps me awake. That's scary. We yeah. had a talk earlier, but we need to get you some rest in the next week. Yeah. Like I had that. I went into an interview and I was so sleepy and so tired. And then it was like a legal compliance person at Twitter. And like he started to squirm a little bit. And then I woke up. I could feel the adrenaline just go like start rushing through. And I was like, oh, I'm awake again. Here we go. I know, dude. It's like those habits die hard. Anyway, Adriana. We feel you. We feel you. And I think that when you say, how can I build any kind of longevity if I'm constantly changing direction? I actually think that that means that you're adaptable in some Mm -hmm. ways and that you are either A, still looking for the right fit or, you know, variety is the spice of life for some people. I do think that that's possible. Or it could be like Jen says, that you can't sit with yourself. Oh, I didn't mean that in Adriana's context. You I meant it in mine. surely meant it That was in for yours me. That was me, for me, mine. Adriana. No, I had us. a therapy session earlier. I talked about this in my own, <laughs> my own life. That's why I'm a surfer. Right. To replace that adrenaline with a wholesome oh, maybe that's activity in need. the ocean. I might need to replace my adrenaline. But with what? Skydiving. No. Why not? Because I hate... I'm, terribly fearful of heights and i have a very ups- my stomach can't handle didn't big drops. we make a pact that we would jump off of something together Fuck no i thought we did the only other thing i would say with adriana is it's really trying to figure out what she wants and that's good you can't figure it out unless you change directions and and i liked how she said that she it didn't feel right and she was very certain when it didn't feel right. right and i think being able to identify what's not right has to happen before you identify what does feel right right and then those twists and turns and zigs and zags get i think less big or like less intense you know and then eventually you're on a path i mean there's always going to be zigs and zags it's essentially you know change is part of life but if you're following your gut and have the confidence to keep doing that then I think you'll be okay. Or as Valerie Jarrett said, life has multiple chapters and you make decisions and you have to live with the consequences. Boy, oh boy, do we get that one. Oof. (laughs) Please subscribe to ZigZag wherever you like to listen and it will be delivered to you automagically next Thursday. Did you just say automagically? I did. I love that word. Meanwhile, we would love to hear more about your professional zigs and zags, particularly things that you might be struggling with or wondering about. We want to go hunt down the answers for you. Record a voice memo. Email us at zigzag at stable G. That is zigzag at stable G. 
And also, hopefully, you are signed up for the newsletter that I send out every other Thursday. I put in my must-reads, a special note for you. Please sign up at StableG.com. This episode was produced by me and Jen Poyant. Matt Boynton is our audio engineer and sound designer. David Herman is our composer. Maria Wartel is our production coordinator. Many thanks to Anya Zhezik for her audio engineering and to David Tatashor for his help, too. ZigZag comes from Stable Genius Productions. We're proud members of Radiotopia from PRX. I'm Anoush Zamarodi, and thank you so much for listening. And please share this episode with five people. Oh, yeah. And please share this episode with five people. Like, actually share it. Just text it to someone. Right now. Thanks. Bye. Building something in my spare time and then releasing it and kind of taking off beyond my control. Why is it going so fast? came into my life and moments like the perfect time. Thank God we're not live. So it was nice to have a person who's built companies on my side and helping. Good. Okay. I'm done.